0: And welcome to another episode of Sanctified Reason. Sanctified Reason is a podcast where Dan DelZell and myself, Son Edom, talk about the things that go on in this world through a biblical perspective. And Dan, you know, recently we've been getting into, kind of delving into some theological things. A lot of different things have uh, come up in the past few weeks that we've discussed and talked about. And on our last podcast, one of the things that we kind of alluded to, and we've kind of been alluding to some of these things as we've been doing each podcast every week, but it's, you know, dealing with salvation, dealing with the Holy spirit. You know, last time we talked about these, um, religious rituals that, you know, different uh, religions, especially Christians and Catholics kind of, you know, delve into like communion baptism. You know, we're talking about a Catholic priest that basically said the wrong words for baptism or during baptisms. And so the Pope nullified like thousands of baptisms that he did. And, and, uh, Then there was communion that we talked about and you know, marriage and so forth, kind of like the sacraments as they would be called in the Catholic Church. But anyways, one of the things that came up from these conversations in this uh, theological world that we've been discussing is the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And so I thought maybe that's something that we could talk about here is what exactly does it mean or what exactly is baptism of the Holy Spirit?
1: Well, that's a great question, Son, and, The reason I I wrote the article is because you have among Spirit-filled Christians a difference in the way that believers understand the baptism of the Holy Spirit. You know, when a person becomes a Christian, the Holy Spirit comes to live within us. And at that point, um, you know, the individual is, is baptized with the Holy Spirit is saved. Um, And when I say baptized with the Holy Spirit, I mean, um, it's the Holy Spirit who is doing the work of conversion. It's the Holy Spirit who is bringing this person into the body of Christ. You know, uh, Jesus said, uh, flesh gives birth to flesh, but the Spirit gives birth to Spirit. So this is how, you know, millions of Christians— understand the baptism of the Holy Spirit now, where you get the different uh, the different uh, explanation in view is that you have uh, a number of Christians in the world son who believe that the baptism of the Holy Spirit is something that happens uh, subsequent to salvation and that it is it is what they call a second blessing that as you seek the Lord for this blessing, as you pray, as you wait upon God, um, you are then, um, you know, seeking God to be baptized with the Holy Spirit. And, and there are those, um, who, who believe in that second blessing who also believe that just like on the day of Pentecost, they believe that a person, uh, will speak in tongues when he or she is baptized with the Holy Spirit. Now, of course, uh, that is not something all Christians, uh, believe that, 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 that gift is, is necessary as, uh, evidence of being baptized with the Spirit. But there are those that believe that traditionally, you know, uh, Pentecostals and, and others who, uh, um, who really hold to that, um, that understanding. But the point of my article was really to find that, that common ground and that biblical place where where all Christians can hopefully agree that the fullness of the Holy Spirit is something that God wants for us every day. You know, even as it says in Ephesians 5.18, do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Holy Spirit. And the verb tense there literally means to keep on being filled. So as D.L. Moody said, we are leaky vessels. We need to be filled up every day. Um, Some Christians talk about one baptism, many fillings. And I think this is a place where, regardless of what a person believes about um, the baptism of the Holy Spirit, that is, whether they believe you're baptized with the Holy Spirit of conversion, or whether they understand that quote-unquote baptism of the Holy Spirit to be something that happened subsequent to conversion, I think where both groups can find agreement is in the fact that um, a Spirit-filled Christian is someone who is flowing in the power of the Holy Spirit, seeking to be filled with the Holy Spirit, and is hungry and thirsty um, for more of the Holy Spirit. So Uh, I I just think that you find a lot of common ground among believers who hunger and thirst for more of the Holy Spirit, even though they may be in different camps, if you will, Um, one believing in the second blessing, other believing in, uh, you know, baptism of the Spirit at conversion, but both um, serving the Lord uh, in the power of the Spirit, seeking to reach others for Christ, and doing so within their own context uh, as part of the body of Christ.
0: Now, I want to get right to the heart of the matter. But before we move forward, I'd like to just remind everybody that when we talk about these type of issues, it doesn't necessarily mean if you believe that there's a second actual blessing that comes or if you believe that when you're saved, the Holy Spirit comes, that is that's the belief that we are going to like you say you know throw ourselves down on the sword for as this is what it is for salvation. Um, You know, there's different things, for example, when we talk about theology that people will differ on, like infant baptism, which we've discussed, adult baptism, which we've discussed, and things like that. So as we have these conversations, you have to remember that the only thing that matters is that, first of all, you believe that Jesus died on the cross and saved you from your sins, that when you repent from your sins, Jesus will save you, you know, will wash away your sins, and you will be saved. And then as you are saved and as you grow in your faith, you'll want to do more and more and more and you'll learn and understand more and more of what God's plan is for you. And then ultimately we spend eternity in heaven. And so I don't want people to mix up the conversation and think that you have to believe one way or the other because what we're talking about here today is just having a better understanding of what baptism of the Holy Spirit means. And so as I say that, A lot of this comes down to the day of Pentecost, okay? And so in Acts chapter 2, it says when the day of Pentecost came, they were all gathered together in one place, and then suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be the tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. And, of course, they were staying in Jerusalem. And then it kind of goes on from there as Peter addresses the crowd. And then people from all languages are starting to understand what Peter has to say. Even some are asking, you know, are these people drunk? No, they're not drunk. It's nine in the morning. And then Peter, you know, addresses the crowd in which everybody understands what he's saying. Now, at this time, there's a couple things going on. First off, where they're at, there's kind of like a center, I want to say, um, like a, like um it's it's a center place for culture. Like a lot of people from a lot of different places are there. And so as Peter's speaking, there's a lot of different people that would speak other languages that would be there. And that's where kind of that miracle of speaking in tongues comes from, where people were able to understand all these different things that are being said. And so that I think is one starting place, okay? When we start with that foundation of what happened, kind of like the history of it all, is it something that, and my question to you is this. It seems to me that my understanding is, is that, okay, everybody expected Jesus to come when he came by the birth of a virgin in a lowly manger, carpenter's son. It wasn't that glorious coming of the Messiah that people thought. He came as a, in a, in a humble way. And now his glorious return is going to come back later. But I have get the kind of understanding and the feeling and and the research and studying that, you know, this is kind of a way that Jesus introduces the Holy Spirit into the world in such a dramatic fashion to make people realize and have an understanding that, wait a minute, there is something different about what Jesus was about. And this is just a taste and a sample, a powerful taste and a powerful sample of what it is that Jesus actually is going to be doing when he comes again because he's introducing the helpmate he's introducing the holy spirit into the world in such a dramatic fashion
1: yes and i think right along with that son um you know jesus had already said why the holy spirit would be needed why the disciples would need the holy spirit you know in, in luke Jesus told the disciples to wait, until, and wait in the city until you have been clothed with power from on high. And then in Acts 1.8, we're, we're told that um, the Lord said, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses. So I, I think it's, it's, uh, it's interesting that a lot of times uh, when people hear about the baptism of the Holy Spirit, or they think about the day of Pentecost, um, they're they're drawn to the supernatural uh, gift of tongues that the Holy Spirit gave at that time, but I think what maybe some people don't always think enough about is that that was that was something going on um, as the spirit was being poured out, but what was really going to be changing the world was the fact that these disciples were now receiving power. To be witnesses for Christ, when I mean, you think about it, son. I mean, here Peter was so scared uh, of, of just confessing the Lord uh, there uh, when uh, when Jesus was about to be crucified. But then, after the Day of Pentecost, uh, and on the Day of Pentecost, even they, they received so much boldness uh, to witness. And and this is where I think, and, and it's really why I wrote the article. I, I think when we look at the practical outcome of the baptism of the Holy Spirit, um, we see something very interesting. And, and, and a person who really helped me tremendously on this uh, is a missionary uh, leader by the name of George Berber. Uh, today, George is 82 years old uh, and he lives in London, but uh, and he continues to, to, to minister. Uh, he's actually the founder of Operation uh, Mobilization. And it's a, it's an organization, San, that, uh, you know, they, they've mobilized young people, uh, to share the gospel for, for decades. It started in Mexico. It spread to Europe and India by the early sixties. You know, today they've got over 5,000, uh, workers, uh, more than a hundred nationalities, um, you know, spreading the gospel. But the reason I go into all that, um, see George Verber, he became a Christian at a Billy Graham meeting, uh, at Madison Square Garden. Um, and, you know, prior to that, when he was in high school there, a neighbor gave him, uh, the gospel of John. And so the Lord was working on him, but it was at that Billy Graham meeting when he was saved that he made a commitment to global missions and, and really spreading God's word around the world. Now, here's what George Verber taught me and has taught many people about, um, the work of the Holy Spirit. You know, I went to a, uh, a Bible conference at, uh, Okaboji, uh, Iowa, the Okaboji Bible Conference. Uh, some thirty-five years ago, and George River, this this spiritual dynamo, he was a uh, one of the speakers there, son. And he he came with a bunch of free books. George just loves to give out free books and free Bibles. He's given out millions of them um, uh, around the world. But anyway, I picked up a book that day called "A Revolution of Love and Balance." And you see, at that point in my life, son, uh, in my early twenties, there in college, I was doing ministry in different capacities. Um Bible studies on campus and and some different things, and anyway i I was really wrestling with this this um this question um you know who has the doctrine of the baptism of the Holy Spirit correct um is it is it those who believe like like i do and and Billy Graham and many others that you're baptized with the Holy Spirit of conversion, or is it is it those who are teaching? that you need to seek a second blessing in order to be, uh, to be filled with the Spirit. And here's where George, George Ferber, son gave such tremendous wisdom. Um, he, he identified um, a couple schools of two basic schools of theology uh, concerning the Holy Spirit. And he said this, son, he wrote this in the book. From both schools have come great men of God. Jonathan Edwards, for instance, leaned heavily toward Calvinism while Charles Finney leaned more strongly towards Arminianism. George Whitfield leaned toward Calvinism, but John Wesley toward Arminianism. Hudson Taylor leaned toward Calvinism, whereas General William Booth towards Arminianism. And we could go on giving a list of hundreds of names of men from both schools. All lived lives in the power of the Holy Spirit. We can see that whether they believed in the second blessing, or whether they believed in a continual filling of the Spirit, The lives of one group were as powerful as the other group. Now, this is a tremendous thing. And then he writes, we must constantly remember that the committed and dedicated lives of men in one school theology are as powerful as the lives of committed men from the other school. I could name man after man who has never experienced a, quote, special baptism of the Spirit, who has never claimed a second blessing, and yet whose life has been filled with the power of the Holy Spirit as he daily sought to live in the Spirit yielding to him. I could name many also who have claimed to have experienced the baptism of the Holy Spirit. I wish we could have a few Wesleys now or Whitfields. You could give me a Calvinistic Whitfield or an Arminian Wesley to work with. I can work with any man if only he has such reality in his life. And I tell you, son, that really um, produced a breakthrough in my thinking. Because for the first time, I realized that it's not either or. It's not, you know, is the Holy Spirit going to work through people who only believe that you're baptized with the Holy Spirit conversion? Or is he only going to work through people who who believe the second blessing? He's going to work through people who love the Lord, want to reach others for Christ, and who hunger and thirst for the power of the Holy Spirit. People like D.L. Moody, who who wrote a book called Secret Power, in, in, in which he sought for more power from the Holy Spirit. And when he did sign, he received uh, more power. In fact, it's interesting in D.L. Moody's life because he was preaching the gospel and ministry was going well. And one time after one of his meetings, uh, these two women came to him and they said to him, "Uh, Mr. Moody, have you received the second blessing? And he said, what do you mean the second blessing? And so they they shared with him their understanding of of that. But I'll tell you, son, um, And, and, you know, D.L. Moody is certainly not, uh, thought of as, you know, uh, a Pentecostal or someone who's teaching that you got to speak in tongues in order to be filled with the spirit. But I'll tell you, something happened to D.L. Moody. Um, he sought more power from the Lord than he currently had and he received more power and not just a second blessing sign, but a third and a fourth and and many fillings after that. And, And so what that tells me is this, um. Regardless of exactly the way a Christian understands and defines the quote-unquote baptism of the Holy Spirit, any believer who seeks God earnestly for more power, for more of the Holy Spirit, um, they are opening up their heart and their life and their ministry to be empowered by the Lord. And I think that's the key. And that's what I learned from George Berber, because those names I just mentioned, like Whitfield and Wesley uh, and Hudson Taylor, I mean, these are some of the biggest, really the biggest names or among the biggest names in, in terms of people that God has used in, in the last, you know, two, three hundred years. Uh, and, and so when you look at how these these individuals do, do not all land exactly on the same um, explanation of the baptism of the Holy Spirit, but they're all living for the Lord. They're all they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. Um, there's much that we can learn in that. And the last thing I'll say on that for right now is that um, the Holy Spirit is not limited son, by a person's, um, you know, exact understanding of the baptism of the Holy Spirit. You know, when it comes to the gospel, it's very critical that a person understand and believe the gospel. But when it comes to this doctrine, we see that there is some variation among spirit-filled believers. And that's why, Son, I began the article by saying spirit-filled Christians do not all have the same view. On the baptism of the Holy Spirit, because those names that George River wrote about, those were spirit-filled men. Although they um, they had uh, a little different way of talking about um, this this baptism of the Holy Spirit.
0: Yes, yeah, so I think it goes back to that very thing. First off, if you ask Jesus or God, will give it to you. You know, if you ask for mm-hmm. more more knowledge, you know, if you ask for more understanding, yes. if you ask yes. for more of a drive to learn. You know, God will grant that to you. You know, God, help me understand what I'm reading. Help me understand the Bible. He's not going to withhold that from you. So if we get into of asking him, you know, he's going to reveal unto us what it is that he wants to reveal unto us and our understanding of it. And then second of all, I think it kind of goes back to kind of what I'm kind of been jaded to towards my years with uh, my exposure to religion. And that is Mm -hmm. the seminary. And, mm-hmm. you know, those type of things where all you do is you just teach. If you go to a Baptist yeah. seminary, all you can do is learn how to, you yeah. know, the, the Christian, the Baptist way of Christianity or the Lutheran way of Christianity yeah. or the Catholic way of Christianity. And I'm not yeah. saying that seminary is bad, but it, I think right. it limits you to the understanding mm-hmm. of this. Because, for example, it doesn't matter when yeah. you get it. If you ask for it, you will get it. And then God will use right. you accordingly you know right and i don't think that and to me personally you know i I think and my belief is that once you're saved you've got it all you know i don't believe that there's a second so to speak now now i don't want to be confused with the fact that as i grow and mature as a christian and ask god to give me more and to give me more that he's going to bestow more upon me or that if i'm in a place of you know, wherever it might be, you know, in my youth, maybe a church camp, or if I'm an older Mm -hmm. adult in a Bible study or in my own time, Mm -hmm. or if I'm talking to people Mm -hmm. that he's not going to bestow more of the Holy Spirit on me for that moment and give me kind of like that juice to, to get through his point, his message that he wants me to get. I mean, I'm sure it's like you with the pastor, you know, when you're preaching on Sundays, I'm sure sometimes you feel really juiced up. Like you've got like this extra serving of the Holy Spirit running through you. And it's not like it's like the one time thing. That's the, I guess that's the problem I have with, a second, the, the, yeah. uh, the limitations of a second, uh, baptism, you know, of the Holy Spirit. So, so you're only limited right. to like a second, one more time. That's it. I mean, what happened to the, you know, God forgives over and over and over. So imagine if you only forgave us yeah. 70 yeah. times, seven times, you know, we'd be yeah. out of luck.
1: Yeah.
0: And it's the same thing yeah. with the Holy <laughs> Spirit.
1: You know, son, I, you know, I, I appreciate that point. I think what what most, or at least many, and certainly the names of the men that I just mentioned there, what, what, what they would say if, if they hold to this idea of a second blessing, what they would say is this. Um, they would say that there is this second blessing where you enter into this greater power for ministry, um, but then that launches you into a, into a space where whereby now um, you're, you're, you're able to receive more power and many, you know, many more feelings. So it's not just a second and now you've got it. And, and that, that's what I like about, um, you know, what George Rivers talking about, you know, because he, he was pointing to men, son who whether they believed in the quote unquote second blessing or not, there's no way that any one of those men would have been used like that by like God. Apart from the power of the Holy Spirit resting upon them in a mighty way and, and but also then daily um, having that power flow through them and rest up upon them so i I think that those who um, might you know might might talk about a uh, a second blessing uh, if they understand the Bible at all, they would say that that is like um that's like a, an empowerment. They would almost equate, well, they would, they would equate it to the day of Pentecost in the sense that, son, I think what many with the second baptism would say is, is, is what a Christian can go from is a weak, timid witness like Peter was before Pentecost to a bold witness. In fact, I think that's probably the best way. And I'm not even talking about tongues here for a minute because you know, you're going to have some people, of course, and especially in certain Pentecostal circles, and others, they're going to say, "Well, but you know, tongues are are really a big part of that." Um, you know, the George River quote um, addressed people who were not um, who were not out there talking about tongues or necessarily, you know, saying one thing or another about it. They were out preaching the gospel. And they were empowered to do that. And I'll just say, Son, you know, as someone who's been a pastor, been privileged to be a pastor now for almost 32 years. And to go to your point for a moment ago, um, you know, most of the times that I have preached, I have sensed the power of the Holy Spirit coming upon me um, during that time. There's there's an empowerment um, because when the word is being preached um, and and actually what's, what's really interesting about that is, um you know, um, you're, you're quite drained, uh, by, by by the time you're done, you know, and and I'll compare it to something, um, that happens on the other side of, of, uh, of, of like a spirit and a person being used. Okay. For those who have seen the movie Ghost and Patrick Swayze and Demi Moore and, um, and then Whoopi Goldberg, uh, is, um is an individual uh who conducts uh séances and um in the movie um you know it it shows Whoopi goldberg just kind of fleecing people out of money and pretending to talk to um their loved ones to get money well then um you know she she experiences having uh you know a spirit actually come into her body um, during a seance and just freaks her out because you know up until then it's just all been fake with her, but then when the spirit leaves her body, you know it's just like you know she's just completely wiped out. Now that's a very poor way to compare, but I would I would just say this um, in a holy way and in a real way when the Holy Spirit who's already within us is um, Christians, be it pastor, be it anybody. Um, any believer, you know, and, and that's a key distinction. The spirit in you, and then like at Pentecost, the spirit came upon them. And so when we pray, Spirit of the living God, fall afresh on me, we're praying that the Holy Spirit, who's already in us, will fall afresh upon us. But what I've experienced on for 32 years is that I know, and maybe similar to the like in that movie, only, you know, Whoopi Goldberg is with some other spirit inhabiting her body, and then she's just completely drain when that when that when that's done. Thankfully the Holy Spirit doesn't leave me or any any preacher, you know, when we're done. But I will say this. Um, there is nothing quite like that experience in terms of what it takes out of you. And you can't even really describe it. Um, because I mean think about it. When the Holy God of the universe decides hey I'm going to use this individual to convey my my message today, whether it be on the day of Pentecost and three thousand were converted, whether it be you know uh, through a pastor uh, in a in a Sunday message, uh, it's a, it's an awesome thing to be able to share the Word of God. Um, and when the Holy Spirit comes upon you to do that, uh, I, I can't say that there is like some certain feeling or something that I would I would say, but I would just say this, son. I know. Um, I mean, I so many, many times I've just been carried along in the message by by the power of the Spirit, giving me just more power to proclaim it, more clarity, more conviction. But more importantly, even than that, the Spirit working through it in power. Um, so all of this, I I would say, is part of what what the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Why why the Holy Spirit came? Um, you know, Jesus. Uh, said that you know, you know that we would receive power, and, and it's very clear in the Bible that the disciples were going to be baptized with the Holy Spirit and with fire, and 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 that fire, the tongues of fire that came to rest on them, um, the, the power that was upon them to change them. And again, I would point to Peter. I mean, look at how fearful Peter was, and then look at how bold he became. Uh, so this is why the Spirit was given. This is why we need the fullness of the Holy Spirit. And, and really, son, you know, a person wouldn't even have to use that term, the baptism of the Holy Spirit. You know, people people talk about being a Spirit-filled Christian. I mean, that's just as biblical as saying the baptism of the Holy Spirit. You can talk about being filled with the Spirit. And and really, many times what we're talking about there, it's not so much us getting more of the Holy Spirit, but it's Him getting more of us. It's, it's, it's us just seeking to not get in his way, to not be, you know, harboring something in our heart or our mind that would grieve the spirit, but just saying, Lord, use me. And again, like like the beautiful song that we, that we sing at church, uh, and, and I have us, um, you know, sing before every message, you know, spirit of the living God, fall fresh on me, melt me, mold me, fill me, use me, spirit of the living God, fall fresh on me. So that's what those men did that George River mentioned from both both schools of theology, Calvinism, Arminianism. And, and, and then I would say, you know, Lutheranism is, is kind of in the middle of those two. And, you know, it was Martin Luther who said um, if he didn't spend the first three hours of his day in prayer. He wouldn't have time to complete his daily duties. Um, one thing we see is this on there is no such thing as a spirit filled life or ministry without um, a lot of prayer. Jesus modeled this for us uh, as the perfect son of God. But there's never been a Christian or a minister or a missionary um, who has been, who has lived a consistent, spirit-filled life without much prayer because the power is not from us. It's from God. And and if we'll just stay out of the way and just continually pray to God, you know, fill me, use me, um, the Lord will do that because he wants to do that. That's why Jesus sent the Comforter, the Counselor, the Holy Spirit so the gospel could go out around the world, and and this is what impresses me so much about the George Rover ministry. You know, you mentioned the seminary side. Um, you know, and, and seminaries have a way of, of course, you know, um, just getting people in line with their own system of theology. Um, and and what I mean by that is, you know, on the secondary issues, they 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 tend to make a big deal out of those. Whereas George Verber says, "Hey, wait a minute." You know, I can work with any spirit-filled Christian who wants to spread the gospel. And I find that to be so refreshing because the bottom line is, son, none of us as Christians in our own denominations or whatever, none of us have a corner on, on the Holy Spirit. None of us have a corner on, you know, everything in the Bible and, and uh, you know, Christians who believe, uh, well, every, every believer, you know, we have far more in common with every other believer that we do differences. And so the last thing we need to do is, is is get into disagreements about the Holy Spirit while there's a world that is lost and going to hell and needing a savior. And it's kind of like with, what, with what's going on in Ukraine today and this this vicious assault by Putin upon these people in Ukraine and, and what it's going to do there to the people in Ukraine and to the people in Russia, all because this, this just, uh, well... Um, almost Hitler-like uh, man in a way. He's been he's been compared to him in the last couple of days um, because he has this vision of whatever. And so um, all of these people are now dying. Um, and uh, you know, there was a story today. Maybe you saw it, son, or maybe you haven't seen it yet. But there was this one uh, soldier for Ukraine, and there's a photo of this guy, and he just looks like such a such a wonderful you know um, young man. But anyway. Uh, they were going to blow up a bridge here in the last day or so, so that it would slow the advance of the Russian uh, tanks and so forth. And so um, this guy said, you know, he would go down and and he would do that. Well, um, he, he got the, uh, he got everything in place there. that was going to blow up the bridge, but there wasn't time for him to get out. And so he just said, Hey, I'm going to, I'm going to go ahead and blow it up. And so he took his own life um, for his country, um, for his, uh, his fellow citizens in Ukraine and, and, and boy, I couldn't help but think, son, I mean, this is what Jesus did for us. He gave his life so that we could be saved. And that Ukrainian soldier, um, he gave his life for a a country that he loves. And and he's kind of like the opposite of a Putin. You know, Putin is a, is a, is a Satan figure right now in the world, carrying out the work of Satan. And this man, um, illustrated, um, love because the Bible says greater love has no one than this that he laid out his life for his friends. And that man here in the last, I think, 24 hours really saw, um, you know, he, he decided, Hey, I'm going to, I'm going to blow this bridge up, even though it cost me my life. And I mean, that, that is just beyond heroic and courageous. And it, it's just amazing. And so anyway, um, you know, we can just like the Ukrainians are rallying around, the, the need to save their country, we as Christians, regardless of our school theology, um, as, as Christians, we can rally around uh, what God's given us to do to reach the lost uh, and, and lead them to Christ. So it, it, it's a beautiful thing to to walk and flow in the power of the Holy Spirit.
0: You know, the other thing when it comes to these type of issues, when we look at it, is we have to be careful that we don't limit Or put God in a box, you know, if we take one side over the other, and it's okay to have a belief of one side over the other, but if we don't, if we aren't open to that other side, like let's just take baptism, for example, infant baptism versus adult baptism okay, you got some hardliners on both sides that say it's adamant, I mean, like the Catholic Church we talked about, um, because one word apparently was said, you know, we baptize you, instead of I baptize you, you know, thousands of baptisms were nullified, and a lot of people were kind of freaking out about that, um, but what we forget is that, you know, God's not in that box, he's not defined by how we, or what we say, or what we do, uh, when it comes to, you know, that type of thing, so whether it's baptism by fire, whether it's we're converted and at the moment of conversion we get the Holy Spirit or if it's a second time at another time and place, whatever it might be, if we are excluding God from being able to be God, then we're not yeah. going to fully benefit and have the blessing of, uh, have his blessings because it's this way, you know, and we've talked about it before, whether it be prosperity preachers or other preachers. You know, there's always something, and I hear it on religious TV all the time. God will not release anything from heaven unless we release something here on earth. You know, basically Hmm. money. If we don't give up our money, God's not going to give us a blessing. We have to do something, basically is the message, in order to trigger God to do something back. And that is completely false and wrong because we don't have to do anything except believe and have faith. You know, if we believe and have faith... Then God will, if we ask, you know, maybe, maybe we have to ask, you know, put that in that, that requirement in there. God grant me the knowledge and the wisdom to understand what's being said in these passages. Give me a piece to have an understanding of what's being said in these passages. You know, help me not to get hung up on you know the worldly views of theology and religion because we try to put you know god we try to define god and the bible talks about specifically that there are things that we just won't be able to understand here in this world um Right. And we have to kind of keep that in mind. So as we have these conversations and they're okay to have these conversations and sometimes they're fun to talk about these things as we grow and mature as Christians. But we also have to be careful that we're not putting God in a box and just making right. him, you know, do like the genie in the bottle type of thing that, you know, God's power is greater than we can even understand. And so yeah, not only do we have a second baptism, but maybe there's a third, fourth, fifth. Maybe you we're baptized if you want to use that term or filled with the spirit over and over and over again. We might have an underlining filling of the Holy Spirit because God obviously sent his helper, you know, the Holy Spirit to be with us. And I believe yeah. that's there. But then also, you know, there's times where we are, probably, I mean, could you imagine, you think about the great men that you, uh, that were talked about, mm-hmm. you know, back in yeah. the article, whether it be, you know, uh, Jonathan mm-hmm. Edwards or a George Whitefield, yeah. you know, or John Wesley, yeah. you know, you think of right. these people and you, you think that there were times when they weren't like super filled with the Holy Spirit for the work that they did, you know, like, you know, they were just empowered to do great things. And that's like, when you go back to the day of Pentecost, you know, right. When I was talking earlier about, you know, God kind of entering the Holy spirit, entering in this world in a dramatic way. It's like, yeah. There was nothing like this prior to Jesus coming. You know, you had all the rules and the regulations of, of the temple and, you know, the Holy yeah. of Holies and and the sacrifices, yeah. and you had to do them a certain way. And then all of a sudden Jesus right. removes all that, you know, the, the, the veil rents in two from top to bottom, and this whole thing is okay. thrown open. And now it's like, okay, what is going on? The Old Testament— it wasn't necessarily thrown upside down, but all those rules and regulations of having to go to Jesus through the priest or through a sacrifice or through something, Jesus now kind yeah. of eliminated all that, and we can go to him directly, yeah. and when he sends his helpmate to us, you know, he probably empowered yeah. those, uh, you know, like Peter and those people there because they needed to come out in a dramatic, not dramatic fashion, but they needed to come out and they needed to talk to the world at that time. And so, therefore, they Mm -hmm. probably had that, like, extra pouring of the Holy Spirit on them like many other religious people have had, many other pastors have had on a Sunday, you know, maybe a Billy Graham or a Greg Laurie or a Harvest Crusade or whatever else is going on out there. You know, they were probably filled because they probably needed that to get through what God wanted them to do, or maybe take, you know, people that used to smuggle Bibles into, you know, different countries, you know, don't you think that they needed some extra kind of oomph in their, uh, spirit to kind of deal with the magnitude of what they were going through or going off to China or whatever other country to, to bear witness for Jesus, you know, go out and baptize others in the name of the father, the son, the Holy spirit, you know, the great commission. I mean, that takes a lot. It's easy. It's, Put it this way, I guess. It comes down to this. Mm-hmm. Okay, let's say if I go to church on a Sunday, mm-hmm. that might not require the filling of the Holy Spirit as possibly mm-hmm. going and doing missionary work that's going to demand right. a lot of me. Does that make sense?
1: Yes. It, oh, it, it makes total sense. And, and it reminds me of you know something Jesus said uh, to the disciples. He said, hey, but when you go out and you minister to people, don't worry about what you're going to say. I mean, if you go before a king, don't worry about what you're going to say for the Holy Spirit will give you the words at that time. Now, what that points out is this song. um, Sometimes in order for us to live a spirit-filled life, um, it's going to be necessary for us to step out in faith where God leads us. And then when we're in that place where um, it's maybe a bit bit scary at first, uh, or maybe continually scary, but when we minister where God, how and when and where he wants us to do that, God provides the power, so you know it's not that God wants to fill us just so we can have all sorts of um, ecstatic experiences. Um, you know these these ecstatic experiences may be um, they may be enjoyable, and in heaven, I mean, there'll be nothing but ecstasy in heaven. I mean, continually. But 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 right now, it's not about the buzz that we can get from the Holy Spirit. Um, it's about. Um, The power that God wants to work through us to reach lost people and to build up saved people. And, you know, you mentioned like that example of like, you know, with baptism and people's differences and things. And I was thinking about that Bible verse, you know, um, what really counts is a new creation. Um, You know, so so whether a person has had you know certain experiences in the church or they've been baptized or whatever, um, you know, are they a new creation today? Are they living for Christ today? Are they trusting in Christ alone? And if they are great, um, you know, uh, but then are they relying upon the Holy spirit, um, to fill them and to use them. And I completely agree with you, Son, that, uh, it's going to take a lot more power of the Holy spirit to go out and do mission work, let's say, than to go to church on Sunday. But, 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 you know, the Bible doesn't present it, of course, as either, or, but both and. in the sense that, um, you know, the church is Christ's bride. And, and so we live in a day where, um, you know, a lot of people have kind of dropped the whole going to church thing. I mean, partly because of COVID or something else. But, but I think what a lot of American Christians in our individualistic society kind of lose sight of is, is that, you know, um, being part of a fellowship of believers is not an option. You know, there's no such thing in the New Testament as Lone Ranger Christianity. There's, there, there are many reasons and far more than we have time to go into just in this one podcast today because uh, we're really talking about something else than that. But um, there are many reasons why the Lord has designed the church and why, why uh, in Acts 2.42, you know, there we go, right after Pentecost, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. So why did they do that so often? Because they were empowered. They, they, they remained um, under that, that waterfall of God's spirit as they continued in the apostles' teaching. You know, hearing the word, preaching the word, in the fellowship, you know, being with one another, the breaking of bread. You know, they celebrated the Lord's Supper weekly, not to get a check in the box, but to receive God's power to remember his death, to to celebrate Christ, um, and then prayer. So those, I like to call those the big four, but, um, you know, I know that we live in a day where, where some Christians have, and especially if they've had a bad experience in a church, um, it's kind of like the person side who had a bad experience in a relationship or in a marriage. And they're like, well, I'm never doing that again. Well, um, you know, there are lots of, of people who have um, gone through a bad experience and then they have found that, you know, the Lord's given them a very, uh, you know, a largely a positive experience. So um, we have to, I think, be careful in life that we don't just assume that where we've been defines everything there is out there. I mean, you know, this is what atheists do when it comes to religion. Because they've never experienced God. Because they've never experienced the Holy Spirit. They assume there is no such thing as God. There is no such thing as the Holy Trinity. There is no such thing as the Father sending his only Son to die on the cross for our sins. And they'll even, in their blasphemous tone, some of them, not, you know, many of them know, but some of them in their blasphemous tone will even say, you know, that God would have to be a monster to sacrifice his only Son. Uh, on the cross for us. Uh, And and so they don't understand the gospel. The message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing. And one day they'll understand, but hopefully, son, some of those who are blaspheming God will come to understand much sooner rather than later. And this is why we need the Holy Spirit so that we can go and reach people, even like that, who are very hardened in their heart. I mean, think how hard does Putin's heart have to be today to, to send his troops into a sovereign country, um, how hard does his heart have to be to think that he can go and take over these people and have all these live loss of Ukrainians and Russians and, and, and I'm sure other, other people who will be, uh, you know, somewhat involved in that. But, but it's very much like Satan. You know, the Bible says the thief comes to steal and kill and destroy. And Satan wanted more territory. You know, he wasn't satisfied with what he had there in heaven. He, he wanted God's throne. But I'll tell you what, you don't mess with God. And and Satan found that out in a hurry, and Jesus said, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. So he got the boot, Um, and now you know what he gets for eternity? Well, Revelation 20.10 says, And the devil who deceived them was thrown into the lake of burning sulfur, where the beast and the false prophet had been thrown. They will be tormented day and night forever and ever. And, um, you know, this, of course, uh, you know, I I heard the... um, I think it was the Ukrainian ambassador speaking at uh, the U.N. Security Council, you know, before Putin went in, uh, before he you know, officially declared war. And, and, and he was he was just saying, hey, you know, you need to you, you need to um, stop this. And, and, and he said, you know, um, war criminals like this. He said he, he said, of course, we don't believe in purgatory, but he said there's no purgatory for, for, for criminals like that. They go straight to hell. But, you know, um, Putin isn't thinking right now about going straight to hell. Um, he's too deluded. He's too deceived. And this is what happens to man so on, on a much smaller scale, but Putin on a large scale. When, when, when man uh, starts to go off um, in his own way, rather than being filled with the spirit, Satan can, can begin to use uh, that individual. Remember what happened to Judas um, at that particular point when it says that Satan entered him. OK, I, I wonder how many demons are in Putin today. How many demons were in Hitler? You know, and just like Wookiee Goldberg in that in that movie where they have a spirit inside them. Thankfully, son, we have the Holy Spirit within us as believers. And he is a his beautiful presence is, is there. But the demons that must be in Putin today, the demons that were in Hitler, um, spiritual reality is 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 all over the place. But it plays out then in the way that people live, in the in the decisions that they make. And that's what we're seeing from the Russian president today, this dictator um, who is just demonstrating hatred for freedom, hatred for democracy, um, hatred for the Ukrainian people. And, and ultimately, ultimately, San, he seems to hate his own people. He only has uh, an interest in himself because if he loved his own people, he would not put them through what they're going through and what they're about to go through. And that's why it's good to see you know, Russians on the streets of Moscow and other places, like I saw something like 2,000 of them, son, were arrested. Why? Because they went out on the streets and said, we don't want war. And, and so Putin and his henchmen, you know, they arrest them. So this is the world we live in. But, um, God will help, um, those today in Russia and in Ukraine and elsewhere who seek him and seek the Lord. And, um, but boy, we need to, we need to be praying for these folks because, um it is su- it's such a, just such a terrible situation right
0: now. Well, think about it, Dan. If we went back to the verse, Seek ye first the kingdom of God and its righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. If we were seeking the kingdom of God first, we would not have all the ills of today. We wouldn't have countries invading other countries. We wouldn't have a lot of the issues that we have today because what we're doing is we're seeking this world first. And what does, uh, was it Romans talk about? You know, store up for yourself treasures in heaven, not on earth, because on earth, moth and rust corrupt, thieves breaking and steal, but store up your treasures in heaven for all eternity. You know, and so when when we take that focus and even when it comes to some of these, you know, spiritual things that we're talking about, uh, such as, you know, what exactly is the baptism of Holy Spirit? If we seek jesus first and we seek his wisdom understanding first seek ye first the kingdom of god then yeah. i think that brings some clarification in the conversations we had and i think as we talk about you know some of these things like you were mentioning with putin invading the ukraine and other things going on in this world and how people are even even the response to it you know like you said there's varied responses to what should be done when this happens it's like you know if we seek god's kingdom first or right. we seek him first for advice instead of, you know, worldly counsel. I think ah. things would be so much different. And so obviously that's not going to happen in a global perspective. But if we take it to ourselves personally and be like, you know what? I'm going to seek God first, you know, and you talk about, you know, I think there was an article you talk about. Are you praying for more power? You know, yeah. you, you, you know, you mentioned you mentioned many times. You know, D.L. Moody. Um, you know, we're leaky mm. vessels. You know, we need to be refilled, refilled, refilled. And right, in that, you know, right. are you praying for more power? You know, you talk about. You know, uh, let me see if I can find it here real quick. It was Luke eleven thirteen. If then you yes. are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children. How much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask? And, yes. You know, and so if we ask in prayer, believing that we receive it. It's ours, Mark eleven twenty four, 24. And so it comes down to the fact that, you know, first of all, we need to be praying because if we're praying and we're earnest and sincere in our prayers, you know, not the haughty, hey, God, yeah. if you give me a million dollars, I will XYZ or give me the lottery and I'll XYZ, yeah. you know, but if we're yeah. honest and, and, and earnest about our prayers, you know, guidance, mm-hmm. wisdom, patience, forgiveness, understanding, you know, those type of yeah. things, you know, God will definitely grant those to us, give those to us, yeah. and we'll be able to yeah. maneuver this world and then hopefully come together. Like you mentioned, you know, in community, when we get together with the body of Christ, you know, not going, you know, yeah. uh, commando and doing it ourselves, but getting together. And then eventually we're building community. And then as a community, we can start to make change, as they would say in the political world from a grassroots effort and I think that we kind of lose out on that because we kind of focus too much on the worldly view um I think it's like we've talked about maybe you've mentioned before, but when we take when we try to put when we try to look at the Bible through the world view instead of looking at the world through the biblical view, things get skewed, right. and I think we're looking a lot of times we collectively the world looking through the the lens of the world and trying to make the Bible fit into the world instead of the world fitting yeah. into the Bible
1: yeah, and isn't it something son how the Lord so often spoke in parables. He used everyday examples as he, um, as he presented um, truth, spiritual truth through these everyday examples. And I just think it's so incredible today. You know, we, we live in a day, Son, where, um, you know, people around the world uh, are hungry for freedom. Um, you know, nations that have experienced um, communist dictatorships, Um, you know, so many of the people, you know, people everywhere, they long for freedom. And and yet, just to show you how powerful spiritual darkness is, um, it's incredible to me that people who long for freedom in the in the physical realm, as we all do, um, how many have not yet been able to see um that that spiritual freedom can only be found in Christ, and that you know, people can see. Uh, can see Putin, they can turn on their TV and see Putin, but you can't turn on your TV and see the devil. But 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 you see the evidence of the devil and the fact that there are so many who refuse to believe in Jesus who would set them free from from the devil and from sin and from death. Uh, so so this is the this is the spiritual battle that um we don't see, you know, um we we see it in scripture we experience it. Uh, we feel the oppression of spiritual darkness uh, many times, and we see its fruit. Um, I mean, take North Korea for example. Uh, I mean, that that place is just because of the uh, because of the regime, because of the the, the dictator. Um, it is just a land of great spiritual darkness, and yet um, that doesn't mean the gospel isn't there. That there aren't you know Christians who are. Um, worshiping Christ uh, secretly, privately, um, but I mean, I mean, how much darker does it get, son, than to live in a country where you know little children can go to to one of the government camp schools, and the teachers will try to do anything they can to trick these little kids, these little five year old kids, into telling them if maybe mom or dad have a Bible hidden somewhere at home, and, and so how do you teach your children? Um, you know, about Christ in that environment where, you know, you, you don't want to put them into a dangerous position. Um, it's so, that's so diabolical of, of, of that regime to to target the little ones. And, and then, son, we can only imagine then what happens when maybe something is said, and then, and then, you know, government, the government authorities show up at the home, and they drag off, you know, maybe the whole family and throw them into these, you know, terrible prisons. I mean, this is the world in which we live. Now, America, we are so blessed with freedom. And this is why so many people, Son, you know, they look to America and they want to come to America, not because America is a perfect nation, but because America is free and Americans, by and large, love freedom. And and, and I think that there are so many Russians who love freedom and so many Ukrainians who love freedom. Uh, but, But, Son, if people can love freedom here in the natural realm, Um, What we have to tell people is that spiritual freedom is is a thousand times better because spiritual freedom uh, will last forever. Spiritual freedom delivers you from your arch enemy, the devil. Um, You know, Putin cannot take anyone's soul. And that's why Jesus, you know, told the disciples, don't be afraid of those who can only kill the body. He said, I'll tell you who to be afraid of. Be afraid of the one who can destroy both soul and body in hell. In, In other words, fear the Lord as your creator and, and fear him enough to repent of your sin and then receive his gracious offer of forgiveness that, that God the Father sent his only Son, Jesus, the Son of God, the second person of the Trinity, to die on the cross for your sins. Accept that message and by faith receive the forgiveness of sins as the Holy Spirit works this faith in you. And then he will come to live within you. And then you can begin to experience what Son and I have been talking about now in this podcast the spirit filled life where God's power then flows in you and through you and rests upon you. And it will still be an imperfect experience in the fact that you'll be in the equation and you and I are imperfect. So that's what makes it imperfect. But with God there, the perfect one is going to be so much better than if you try to do it yourself. So why not just ask Jesus today to come into your heart, to forgive your sins? Why not just trust him? Um, just, Just trust that he died on the cross for your sins. Um, and and surrender your life to Him today, and bow at the cross, and say, "Lord, I'm a sinner, uh, but but I want to be forgiven, Lord. I want I want to be free. I I want to know You. I, I you know what? I, I don't want to have to uh, keep trying to work my way to heaven, or, or I don't want to keep you know living in unbelief. And if you'll do that today, my friend, the Holy Spirit, who's working right now to bring you in, um, will. We'll do a mighty work. Just say, to, why not just say to Jesus today, "Wash me in Your precious blood." Will you say that, my friend? Will you just say, "Wash me in, r- right now"? Just say it out loud if you're able to, or in your heart, depending on you know where you're at or how how you're led. But but just say that to the Lord. Trust in His blood to forgive you, and you'll be off and running uh, in a life of spiritual freedom. But it, it begins there. It has to begin with conversion. And if you're not sure whether you've been converted, whether you're saved, redeemed, born again, justified and forgiven right now, be sure, confess your sin to Christ, repent of it, turn to him right now in this moment, you can be saved. Will you call on him now? Just say, wash me, Jesus in your precious blood. So, so this is what we're privileged to do as the Holy spirit enables us us to do that. And my friend, um, once you're on God's team, if you're not already, you may already be, but once you're on God's team, he's going to start using you, uh, to reach others for Christ. And, uh, You know, you may not ever do anything quite as heroic as that Ukrainian soldier who gave his life on the on the the bridge in Ukraine here in the last day or so to to stop the Russian advances. But but God will have something of eternal significance for you to do in his kingdom uh, if you just surrender to him today. And, uh, you know, Putin wants Ukraine to surrender to him so that he can dominate them, son. so he can have more territory. You know, God does just the opposite. He says, surrender to me so that I can give you an abundant life and the forgiveness of your sins. And, and you know, you ask any one of those disciples who walk closely with Jesus, um, did, did they feel burdened by the Lord or were they liberated by the Lord? And, and, and that's my, that, my friend, is what I think you should ask yourself. Will Jesus burden you uh, or will he liberate you? And once you discover the answer to that question, you'll be in a good place to receive what God wants for you.
0: Dan Delzell with us as we talk about uh, these various issues, uh, including the main topic of today, what exactly is the baptism of the Holy Spirit? And Dan, we thank you as always for being a part of these conversations, sharing your insight, writing the articles, and helping us try to understand and maneuver the things of this world through a biblical perspective using sanctified reason.
1: Oh, amen, son. You know, I, I just love the title of the podcast, son. You know, God gives us sanctified reason. He gives us insight that we don't have without the Holy Spirit. You know, we have human reason, but human reason will not get anyone to heaven. Um, you need sanctified you you you're not going to understand the gospel without sanctified reason. So I just so appreciate, son, what you're doing in your ministry. It's such a joy to partner with you on these podcasts. And uh, uh, and my friend, if, if you're, you know— If you're sensing God speaking to you today, um, just will you spend some time in prayer today? Will you think about what we've talked about today? And if there's anything we can do to help, um, by all means, please feel free to reach out to us. Um, Feel free to email me if I can help at dandelzell at cops.net, D-A-N-D-E-L-Z-E-L-L at cops.net. And I'd be very happy to visit with you, and I know San would be as well. So just let us know if, if you have any questions from today. Maybe you disagree with something we said. Fine. Great. I mean, I'd be happy to talk about that if you like. Um, you know, uh, just because we say it doesn't make it true. Um, search the scriptures. See if what if what we're saying is true. And if there's anything we're, we're saying is not scriptural, then then, uh, you know, get rid of it. You know, eat the meat and spit out the bones. And, um, you know, uh, only scripture is, is perfect. And, and that's what we're, we're privileged to uh, to share uh, the word of God. But all, don't don't take any spiritual leader's word for it. All we see is this biblical, and if so, then accept it, because God never lies, and everything in the Bible is true.
0: Yeah, and you can email me at uh, sonedem at gmail.com. It's S-O-N-N-E-I-D-E-M at gmail.com. Dan, thanks again. We appreciate it. We look forward to uh, many more conversations as the Lord allows.
1: Oh, I I sure do as well, son. Thank you again so much.
0: And for those of you listening, thanks for listening. Do tell a friend. And until next time, God bless.